Welcome to the Box and Life Podcast, where we talk about everything from happiness to success. From Sunderland, England to Los Angeles, California. From a lean, world-class athlete to a fat guy with cellulite on his ass. Hosted by 2008 Olympic medalist in the red corner, Tony Jeffrey. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast. Today we've got on a great guest, a, a great guy, a great boxer, uh, one of the biggest personalities, I think, in British boxing today, Paul Smith. And uh, I'm very good friends with his brother, Stephen Smith, and it's great to have you on, Paul. Paul, how's things going, mate? And it's, uh, thanks for coming on. Sound thanks, mate. Good to hear from you. You too, mate. Uh, Paul, I mean... I thought you've got a big name in boxing, but for people who, who don't know you, can you tell, give us a description in a nutshell about, about yourself? Hey, I'm a boxer from Liverpool, England. I was a fairly decent amateur, won five national titles, same professional. I've been British super middleweight champion. I've challenged for the world title twice. I've got a, a fight coming up with the best fighter in, in my division, Andre Ward, in June. And I have three brothers who are also professional boxers and all champions and all top five in the world as well with the governing body. So that's basically me in a nutshell. Ah, you're doing really good, mate. And something I want to tell you, I've not told you before about the very first time. I, I don't know if I met you. I think I just seen you, right? I don't, I don't think you even remember. It was when I was boxing for England versus Ireland with your Stephen. We were we were in the lineup. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was only fourteen. We're in the lineup to fight against Ireland, and uh, Stephen was there in front of us to go to the ring before you do. You know when you do the ring parades when you fight. Yeah, yeah. And uh, someone, I think, it must have been your Stephen, said, "Oh, that's my brother there." And you were standing there with a black eye, and you were like, it "Looked like you were snarling at us." And I was like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> looks hard as that looks. Looks good, right? Oh, okay, same. And he said he he boxed. Uh, for England against Ireland, I think it was uh, at your weight category, like last year or the year or the year before that. And I was like, Fuck yeah. and, you, and you were standing there all snarling on us, looking all mean. <laughs> it's just one of their faces I've got in it because a lot of people <laughs> say that, and I've just I've just got one of them faces. I've seen someone tweeting once, "Why do you always look like you can smell shit?" <laughs> and I just like I was laughing at, and I thought, you know what, you're pro- you're probably right, and and I think I smile too much. I think like. I think I smile a bit too much to people that sometimes I shouldn't probably smile at. But if you know me, you know I'm very, very far from that. I'm the opposite, you know what I mean? I, I, I've, I've probably I've got a lot of mates and a lot of friends, a lot of fans and admirers who, who, who think better of me than think worse of me. So I think it's just one of them. I've just got one of them scouts' faces. <laughs> and with me being 14 year old and you want a black eye. No matter what it was like, <laughs> one with a black eye, a boxer, you know. Yeah. It must be good. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what's going to happen? I, I, rem- I remember that. I remember it as well because uh, I Stephen fought someone called Ireland from Ireland, basically. He, he fought him, little Paul Highland. Right. Uh, uh, and it, I think if I remember rightly, it was down in Ipswich or near Ipswich. It was a yeah, bit it was. Of, it was bit, of a, bit of a stretch. It was miles away, but uh, first and many for the both of you. You know, the rest, the rest was obviously history. I know, and then we've turned into real, real good friends. Uh, after that, me and Steve have been all around the world. Uh, yeah. But Paul, you're 32 year old now, mate. Uh, how's your body holding up after all these fights? Not all. I mean, you've been fighting forever. Yeah. It, you know what? It's a good question. I, I had an operation uh, six weeks ago on my elbow, and it was to shave bone off my elbow because basically I had that many 
spares and calcifications and bone growth, which shouldn't really be there, honey. And the surgeon come round when I just come when I just woke up and and he he has a, a sample tube and he just shook these things around, look like teeth, and he said, "There's the bone what I've shaved off your elbow and and the bones off in your arm, basically." And that was like the first bit. You know, I'm walking up and down the stairs after the hard run. I can feel it on my knees, and you know, you, you you're not as old as me yourself, but you're coming up to 30 soon, probably on 30 yourself, aren't you, if you're Stephen's age, and you'll, you'll feel it yourself, it just, it just happens, it's just, it sounds daft, but I'm old in boxing, and, and 20 years, 23 years of, of boxing and graft and training, it's not the fight that takes it out here, you know that yourself, it's, it's the camps yeah. and the training and the, the squads, you know, better amateurs than me will age quicker than me, yeah. because of the squads they did, I, I think, all the stuff they're doing on the amateur squads in England and GB now is great. They're becoming better pros for it. But no way will you see any of them last till the 32, 33. They, they, they won't have the longevity what, what people of my generation probably. And, and it's a different sort of generation as the fighters now, 10 years ago. Like when I turned pro, the norm was Ricky Atten. You get to 20 odd fights, fighting no one, yeah. win your first title. And then your next ten's all about getting to the British or winning the business. And from your thirty fight onwards or twenty fifth fight onwards, you start winning bigger titles. Then, then the likes of your your generation, the likes of De Gale and Groves and all that lot, Stephen and everyone else, same pro. And you wanted you had to win the business title in your tenth fight. Yeah, you had to have a title before your tenth fight, and you had to hit the ground running straight away. And that's how you have to be. So it's like it changed then, but I just think with them hard squads and the way it takes out of your body. You won't see too many of them last till, till my age, and I'm feeling it now, and I didn't have them hard camps. I had Crystal Palace once every three weeks down in, in, in London for the weekends, which was graft, but yeah. it, it does take it out of your body, and yeah, I'm feeling it. I've never, th- I've never thought about that before, but I, when you're on them camps, you are, you're sparring every day, you're, you're training three. Yeah. It's a lot. You're, you're sparring with like small gloves on against top kids yeah. from France, Wales, Ireland, anyone coming in to visit your sparring. They used to get pros in for us. I remember sparring like Gary Logan. They got one or two other amateurs in who had already boxed and, and yeah. beat it. And it was just, it's brutal. To just, you just want to knock shite out of each other all the time. And t- sparring's good, but not hard spars, brutal spars every day. You know, it, it takes its soul out of you. But uh, Paul, what was your amateur record? I know you've had 42 fights. Uh, I had, it's it's a bit of a, it's not um, confirmed. I need to look at my cards again. But if, if I remember rightly, it was 70 fights and 50 wins, possibly 51 wins. I think I lost 19, 20 fights, but I'd had 17 and won eight and lost nine. I'd lost nine of them by the time I had 17 fights. Then I won four national titles then within like four years, five years, and then won the ABAs. Um, out of like the 50 wins, about 30 of them were stoppages, at least 30, 30, 30, 35 of them. So I was always uh, letting good body shots go and fighting a bit like a pro. I wanted to be a a pro early on, but I'd have loved to have gone to the Olympics. I always said that, you know, I don't, I'm not one of them who didn't go, and I'm like, oh, I didn't want to go anyway. I didn't try and qualify because they got rid of my weight. I was 71 kilo. Oh. I won silver, silver in the Commonwealth. I 71 kilo. I lost in the final to John Pascal on points. It was a good, good fight, good tournament. I was nailed on to go to qualifiers for the Olympics. Again, I'm not saying I would have qualified, but I'd have had a good chance. I was up there, top 10, top 15 in the world. And uh, they just got rid of me weight. I'm 71 became 69 or 75. I was too little for 75. That's what you and that you and Natalie at, wasn't you? At, at the start, and you went to 81. 
Um, I remember the likes of the lads at 75. They were too big for me. I wouldn't have beat them because of size. Never mind um, ability. And I, I couldn't have made 69 if I tried. I was killing myself for 71. So I had no alternative but, but to turn pro. So decent amateur record. But I would have loved to have gone to the Olympics. It's, it's everyone's dream. And I'm not saying that I, yeah. just because I never... So I was I was there at the Commonwealth Game final because I was there. At, uh, I was there at not sport year. I was sporting David Dolan because he was twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember your fight. Uh, it was a right terrible one. It? it was a good fight. Yeah, it was. It was. He was like the most fancied in the tournament before it, and you know I, I sort of knew before the games even started I, I was going to box him. It was weird whether it be the first or the or the, or the final, and I, I knew I'd, I knew I'd fight him and. and uh, you know, I wanted to. I wanted to box him. He was the best. Everyone was raving about him being the best fighter in the tournament, and, and never mind my waiting. Of course, you know, with daft army boxers, like flies, like moths to a light. You know, as soon as you you, you think, oh, he's good, yeah, yeah, good. I'll, I'll fight him. Or, yeah, I'll get in the ring and do a bit of sparring with him. And you, you must need your fucking head testing after time. But, you know, it's it was one of them things. I sort of knew I'd box him, and, and, and I did. And he was a, he was quality. He was the best I got him with. The time he was, he was very good. And, and what you've just said there, uh, it leads on to the next thing I've got wrote down. Really, is about your attitude. I mean, yeah, not everyone. Up, I mean, that you're seeing there, we would definitely want to fight the best. Uh, yeah, but you know, I'd rather avoid the best until <laughs> until right <at> the end. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh no, I know, I know what you mean. The, yeah, I, I was buzzing when I got him in the final and not the first round because I wouldn't have got a medal. You know, and, yeah, and it's that's the way it goes, isn't it? You know, the kid who beat you in the Olympics. In the, in the semis, yeah. if you'd have got him in your first fight, no one would have been talking about you the way he was in the pros. Right. If you know, it, it, it's all ifs and buts in it. But the fact is, it, it happened. You, you lost to a good kid in the semis. Yeah. But if you if you wouldn't have got him, you'd either been in the final, you'd have, you'd have got a silver. You know, it's 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 just the way it goes. And look at the draw. But you're right. And I, I didn't want him in the first fight. I wanted to avoid him. Every tournament you go to, you're lying if you say you want the best in the first fight. You want to you want to you want to bum in your first fight in any tournament. You you go to that's what you always want and you you're delighted when you get that and sometimes it probably works against you because you end up losing to the bum because you, you you're just <laughs> overlooking completely and yeah i know what you mean but my attitude is always you know in the, in the pros it's it's not i want to fight the best if i ever get offered the best i'm going to jump at it i don't i just i'll never avoid people and i don't want to avoid people and i just sleep a bit easier at night knowing that i haven't and knowing that you know i wouldn't it's not it's not really in me i'm i'm like yourself, I'm a working class lad from a working class city, and it's not how we do things. Yeah, and uh, but it's not on your attitude. Like when you, I always remember the build-up of the fights against Tony Quigley, Tony Dodson, then Dickie yeah. Groves. Like I love it. I, 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 you're, you're, I don't really watch much boxing. I'm not that, that big of a boxing fan, but when it's someone I know, especially like yourself, I, I love watching the build-up them because you've got this attitude where you just don't give a fuck, and if they say something, you know, you, yeah. you, you want to give them a back. And I love it. Yeah, you, you, you've got it though, haven't you, Jeff? You know, yeah. it's what I've always thought about it is, well, you know, I'm going to fight you, so it, it, it's going to happen. It's like, I always try to explain to, to, you know, fellas in the sauna when you're in the gym or something, or fellas who, 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 who want to chat to you about boxing, I said, you know that feeling where, like, something happens on the playground or outside the boozer or whatever else, and you, your stomach goes and you know you're going to have a fight, and you relate to this yourself because you've done it. Well, it, imagine that feeling, what you get in your stomach just before the fight, Every day for twelve weeks, the minute you wake up, because the minute you wake up, you're thinking about the fight, and your stomach goes, and then you get used to it for the day, and it's gone. 
And every time you think about that fight, you know what's going to happen. You know you're going to fight. You know who you're fighting. You know where you're fighting, when you're fighting, and exactly when it's going to happen. And you've got about a million scenarios of how the fight's going to go in your head. And you can either let that ruin you and consume you and be negative for you, or you can use it in your advantage and you can use it for you. You know, I, I know I'm going to fight you, so if you're going to say something else, I'll say it back straight away. And you, you're right, you sort of have to not give a shit and just... You know, well, I'm fine. So whatever he says, I I read into things people say as well. You know, the one thing I'll never do is like lie in press conferences or lie about how things are or how things were. And, and when you spot them lies, you think, well, hang on, there must be some sort of insecurity with you if you're lying. So you know, I was used to point them out, and I said this, you know, Arthur Abraham, this time I'm going to knock Paul Smith out. You know, and I just lean forward. Said you said this last time, yeah. And you, you know, it just it just stops him in the track straight away and. Uh-huh. I'm not one to be outspoken. I don't. I never want to be labelled as that. But yeah, I will always say what's sort of on my mind. And with the TV stuff now, I've got to just keep telling the truth, and that's all I'm doing. And you make one or two enemies, but you, you've got to tell the truth. Yeah, I remember one time when I was watching a, a fight. I think it might have been someone from my way when the cornerman you were commenting on the fight, and the, cor- yeah. the cornerman said to the fighter, "It was the was last round." He says, "Come on, if you get knocked out, I'll take." The- oh, I, I remember it, yeah, I remember it. I, I don't care if you get knocked out and the poor kid would give him the ads. I remember thinking to myself, you know, that's nice. If I was that kid's dad watching a fight, I'd jump up and chin you. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you get knocked out. That's not a... That, it's a brave trainer, isn't it? And, and yeah, you, you're right, and he'll probably watch that and probably steal it. I mean, next time he sees me, but, you know, it's just... You have to tell the truth. And, and like the, the fight the other night, the Pacquiao fight, the, the Joshua stuff last week and... Well, it goes on. You just have to just be honest and tell the truth, and more people will probably like you for it than than not. Definitely, and on your Twitter feed as well. I mean, you you're very opinionated on there. Well, you're not very opinionated. You speak your mind, which is yeah. A lot of people in the public eye uh, don't do what you do, which I love. I mean, if you if you've, people who listen to this if they've never seen Paul or don't follow him on Twitter, go and have a look at his Twitter feed. It's fucking great. So entertaining. You can just scroll down your Twitter feed and. <laughs> You've just so many smart asses on there, isn't it? Trying to have a go at you, and, and because they think like you're this boxer or you're this, you know, sporting figure or, or whatever they whatever they think you are, you think you're not allowed to answer back and tell them to fuck off back or give yeah. them a bit of shit back. And, and you know, I am at the end of the day. I don't look at myself as Paul the boxer. You know, I, I drive home, put me kit bag on the floor and have me tea with me missus and me kids and walk down the shop like every other fella and just normal day-to-day stuff. I'm a normal fella, but I box and I fight for a living, so I don't see myself as what they see me as. It's the same way yourself or anyone else wouldn't. So if you say something, I'm going to fucking say it back, you know, straight away. And my fault with that Twitter is I treat people and talk to people on there the way I would in person. I wouldn't say anything on there that I wouldn't say to someone to the face. Yeah. And my problem is I expect that back and it never comes back. And that even goes to the fact that, like, Paul Smith fighting Andre Ward. Andre Ward's obviously going to knock him out, but wish it all the best. I'll just block them for that. I think, fuck off, I don't need to see that. That's just negative. complete negativity, which I don't need to see. You've got your opinion, but you don't need to tag me in it. Yeah. You know, and, and um, there was a fella doing it the other week, you know, who, who works in sport, and I had to say something to him. His dad is as a commentator. So I just said, listen, your dad's the commentator. You're not, you know. Whether you think I'm going to get flattened in the first round or or losing the twelfth or whatever you think, I don't need to know. You don't need to give me your negativity. It's my sort of my Twitter feed. I control it, so I'll I'll control what I see and what 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 is said. I don't need 
if you're sitting in a pub on the table with me, you wouldn't just stand up and say, listen, I think you're going to get knocked out, but I do wish you good luck. You, it just wouldn't happen. You yeah. know, you just you just don't say it. It wouldn't happen, so don't say it on there. Just odd cases over the computer, aren't they? Yeah, not that. Hey, I bet your your uh, block list some size now because I remember a couple of years ago you were telling me it was long. I'd love to, I'd love to see it. I'd I'd love to actually see it just just so I could see how many of them there was and just so I could like go and do the same on my Instagram or something. You know, <laughs> just keep it keep it all. Yeah. Uh, well, how how do you deal with the criticism? Well, you just said you block people, but uh, how does it mentally? Because when I got criticism, I mean, at first it fucking it tore us to pieces, but after yeah. a while you get used to it. It, it, it kind of makes you a stronger person, but it's now yeah. you get a little one that'll be like, fuck, and it, it chews you up yeah. off the day. I don't yeah. know. A lot of it depends on the person now, nowadays. You know, it, it got to me when I was younger, and the one who the one who sort of made me get used to it and, and gave me the best opinion on it was me missus, to be honest with you. And, you know, the word she said was basically, once you're in this house and you turn the key on the door at night and you shut the door, that's it. It doesn't, nothing else sort of matters. And it's not like cheesy or nothing, but she's right. You know, what, what do I, what do I care about what some fat fella sitting in a, in a, in a, his ma's box room in Wales <laughs> on a computer who's never had a fight in his life <laughs> types about me on a computer, you know, to 32 followers. Yeah. And like the only time he's ever going to probably do anything in his life or be anything in his life is just a regular if he even gets a job, you know, it, it's like what it's just you know what type of people I mean, and, and yeah. even if it's like a successful person or a person with a good job or you know a fireman and, and you know and there's an executive and and anything else, another sportsman, if they're giving me a bit, it's like well, a what what is it you're saying? B you know are you right in saying it? And you couldn't do it anyway, so I don't I don't really care and. That's saying I, again back to the Instagram and Twitter and everything else. There was a picture on you the, the other month, and I loved it. You know, I used to care what people thought about me till I tried to pay me bills with their opinions, and that's that's <laughs> all it comes down to, basically. You know, I, I, I used to get it used to get to me. Now I don't. Now I don't honestly, honestly don't care. My head is the pillow of the night, and, I, and I'm and I'm out like a light. I'm, I'm asleep, and that's good. I certainly don't lose sleep over over criticism of people that. I don't know. I remember when our Pricey was on the pod, this podcast a, a couple of months ago, and, and he, I asked him the same question about the criticism, and he, he said, uh, he said, well, someone will, will write the tweet and forget about it, but if you read it and you let it fester you, it's going to fester you all day, and that person yeah. wrote it, they forgot about it, they get on with the day, they're not even thinking about it. So if you respond, they're going to be over the moon. So he never responds yeah. like that, which is yeah, yeah. a good way to look at it. Yeah, he is, and he is right, and I wish I was strong enough to not respond, but I just try and respond and just take the fucking piss out of them, and I'll find a picture <laughs> of them with the top off about a week earlier, or, you know, a tweet to the bears about three weeks earlier, and just think, right, you're getting it now. <laughs> and and that, that's the thing, boxing, boxing life and being a boxer in camp, you've got too much time on your hands, so I'll scroll through years where the voters think, look at you there, look at, <laughs> look at the state of you, and I'll, I'll try and have a go back, and... and yeah, it probably doesn't work. Well, I mean, again, you know, under the same, I think my missus and, and stuff that I've heard and stuff that I've read, you know, you just, you're letting them live in your head. You're letting, you, you're giving them, you're renting them headspace and you're I'm, just taking up your thoughts and you don't need them to. You I remember know, I just forget about them. Someone, someone tweeted, doing what you've done. I, I, I went through them from my end. So I went through the uh, the tweets and I seen they've got a new car and they live at Easy. So I, I, I tweeted them. I yeah. said, oh, mate, by the way, I, do you own this car? This, Nissan, of course, wherever it was, 
Yeah. And it walks across it. And, it, and it's, do you live around here? And he fucking shit himself. I went, oh, I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna send some round, someone around to see you. Yeah. Shit himself. And, I mean, some lad was giving us loads once, Jaffer, and, and proper having a go thinking he was big. And um, I, was, I, was, I was out once with my missus and we were out somewhere. And I'd, I'd give, like, me accountants, you know, obviously you're, you're boxing, you're, you know, you're not even fighting no more, but you've got an accountant, you have to deal with it because yeah. of your business and because of your company and everything else. And the accountant was, was in the middle of, like, sorting all business accounts and cards and everything else for me. And if you do this, you have to get it on a business card. If you go there, you have to have it on your personal because it's not an expense and this and that. I gave the wrong cards in once in, in, in a... In a, in a um, a place where my missus and the kids and it's a client. So I said, sorry about that. So I got the other cards, paid for it, carried on, taught nothing of it. Within about two weeks, some kids on Twitter give me loads, calling me all kinds. Must have had a bevy saying um, something, something. Uh, anyway, his, his card got declined in our kids' work or something like that. And like proper give it to me. So I thought, right. So hey, I found <laughs> out. I went in, spoke to the kids' manager, said, I'm not having that little prick all over Twitter making out like my card is... is Decline. It was a fucking bowling alley. It's the worst part about it. The kid works in the bowling alley, <laughs> slagging a boxer off. You know what I mean? Like for a card decline, as if like, as if he's on, you know, fifty grand a year or something. Yeah. So then I got the kids' details off the the one nine two site, and one of the lads knows he's got an account on it, so phones him within five minutes. So I got his house phone number, so phoned his house, and he answered <laughs> the phone like acting all big, didn't have a clue it was. He just asked, "It's Paul Smith." And he shit himself straight away. Wait, <laughs> how, how, how'd, you, how'd you get how'd you get me ma's number? Me ma's again, you know, living at home with his mother. <laughs> I said, I haven't just got the number. I've got your address. I said, and I'm three streets away. I said, so what you were saying before, and I said, come outside and see like a grass in front of your ma's. And he shit himself straight away. Ah, look, <laughs> look, I don't want no trouble at me mother's. I said, well, get out your mother's then, walk down the road, and I won't, I won't knock at the door. I was like, ah, oh, look, no, no, you know, it's just it's just Twitter and that. <laughs> and he fucking shit himself and... and Hasn't said boo since, you know, he, he thinks he knows a bit about boxing, but he hasn't said a word since oh, and, and wouldn't. So I said to him, I said, you can apologise to me now then. So go on, apologise. So he did. I said, no, go and write an apology tweet out right away. I went, I will, I will, I will. I went and done it, you know what I mean? And it was like, just bully, they're trying to like bully online, but yeah. hate it back and can't handle it back. And I, I just, I got his name and address. Like that Woodhouse, it was hysterical. Woodhouse got all like... It was brilliant what he'd done. It was absolutely great, Curtis Woodhouse, tolerant, and he, he got this kid's address and was tweeting him as he was outside his house, and the kid shit himself and apologised on there, which was brilliant, but I couldn't say the ones I've done. I'd, I'd probably get nicked. <laughs> <laughs> Firing the numbers and finding their house addresses and going around seeing them. <laughs> so, but I've, I've, I've forgot about all that now. I let, I let all that go. I don't, I don't bite and get that severe anymore. <laughs> I, just, I just laugh and block. That's class, mate. I absolutely love it. I really do. I would have loved to have seen his face. Absolutely. I was I was sitting in Nando's with Scott Carroll, Anthony Crawley, and Stephen, and my dad, and, and our Liam, and they're all howling around the table and stuff because <laughs> I had the kids on loudspeaker in the middle of the table. And it's just, it's just, you just showed us two colours, you know what I mean? It's what they like. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it, mate. Uh, uh, Paul, I know, I know, I know you now you're doing your uh, your, com- your commentary and that. Is that is it for Sky Sports? Sky, yeah, Sky yeah, Sports, right, yeah. Right. yeah, I'm with them now, yeah, and it's a dream job, how's, I love it. Uh, uh, how's it going, like, is it like, do you contract week to week, or, is it, or how, how's it going? No, no, I'm, 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 I'm signed up with them now, so I can only really wait for them now, I can't wait for any other, other networks or anything else, but I, that's what I wanted anyway, and it's the main thing I wanted since I first started working with them, you know. 
for me, I'm not like looking at it thinking pound signs. I'm looking at it thinking, as soon as I retire from boxing, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. I'm either going to be a boxing trainer, which is hard graft because you're only on 10% of what a kid makes. And I'd want kids from the start who were just turning pro so I could try and mould them myself as I wanted them. But then would I cut the mustard as a, as a trainer? You know, I've been okay as a fighter, but have I got it as a trainer? I don't know. And then you start thinking, like, if I want to go and be a painter or a decorator or a bricky, I've got to go and start where the lads were when they left school because I don't know it. Yeah. So I've got no trade. I've got no... So what a dream job to sit there and talk about boxing and to sit and give your opinion about boxing. And if you don't bullshit and don't lie and don't twist things and just tell the truth and be honest and give a good opinion and a good account to yourself, it's an easy job and you can do it right, you know. There's no better job than that for me. So I, I'm looking at it as if I can get a secure job, which to have it right, sitting there talking about boxing, it's it's any fight fan or any fighter's dream job, and it's not hard. You're sitting there talking about boxing. I'd, I'd, I want to do it for the rest of my life. And That's quality, mate. Really... Look, at, look at the likes of Jim Watt and all that. You know, they're, they're in the 60s now and they're still working. And they're still working all the time. And you've got... got Yearly work, regular work, constant work, and and you 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 got the best tickets for the best fights that happen, and, and you can't get better than that for me. So that's what I want to do, and it's what I always have wanted to do, mate. Yeah. And it's a tiny, tiny percentage of boxers. I mean, every single boxer in the world wants to wants to do that after a box, just about. Yeah, I imagine so. I imagine like, so, but it's it's easier said than done because you you have to be able to spot things and then sort of. Trans, translate them things over even even with my accent I'm like you mate but you, you've got the accents haven't we yeah. <laughs> you know you, you can't get a coffee right in LA still can you and you've been there years you know that's what <laughs> that's what like I'm the same mate I, I give my name in LA you know, for a coffee and I got Bob written on it or something. <laughs> you know it's, it's it's always the same but over here they understand me and, and I'm getting away with it yeah screw me I'm over the moon uh, Paul a couple more things mate uh if you've got any advice for for fighters, young fighters, not even young or up and coming, like even pro fighters now, because I mean you're experienced, what what would that be? Um, you know, it's a good question. Now, um, there's a, there's a fighter coming through now, Isaac Chamberlain. He's a cruiserweight. He's had a, he's had two fights now, and won them both. And he's a good kid. He's a Ted Barmy's nephew, former European champion. And I was over in Marbella in, in Macklin's gym. We were training. And the best thing about him was he come over and asked me for some advice. Now, whether he rates me as a fighter or not is irrelevant. The fact that he's willing to ask advice of someone who's done it is great. And that's brilliant advice. Always ask advice. You know what I mean? Always always seek it. You don't have to use it all, but get everyone's opinion who's been there, who's had a fight, who's at a decent level. And just ask what they think. You know, but the advice I gave to him was just enjoy your debut because... You're never going to get another one, and you might not remember your your twelfth fight or your fourteenth fight against, you know, a, a Mexican kid in in Everton Park Sports Centre. But you remember your debut. You remember who it was. You remember where it is. You remember the time. You remember your shorts. You remember, you'll remember everything about your debut. So yeah. enjoy it because you're never going to get another one. And then the only other advice is, you know, just don't train hard. Train smart. You've got to you've got to know your own body. You've got to know. You've got to get to know your own body quick. You've got to you've got to do the right things, and you've got to look around at results, what trainers are getting, and, and what other people are doing, and, and make sure it's fit for you. You could be the best fighter in the world, but be with the wrong trainer, doing the wrong things, and you won't get your benefit out of your, your full potential out of yourself. So, 
that's the best advice I could really give you. Do what's right for you. Work smart, not not hard. Smart. And what about on social media? Because I really believe that that's a huge thing these days for fighters. Massive, massive tool. And that's why I was always on it. And my dad would laugh and say, what the fuck are you doing on the internet? And <laughs> Jamie Carragher, what the fuck are you doing on them internet forum things? I'm like, I don't like the forums, but this Facebook's good. And it was like 2007. He's like, what are you doing on them? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not name-dropping there. That's a, that's a sportsman who was giving yeah. advice, training. He was saying in the rotunda, doing boxing himself. And his advice was, you know, what are you doing on them? You're just giving people a, 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 a platform, a channel to give you loads. And I was like, well, it's not for that. I'm selling, like, 50 more tickets than I sold for my previous fights because I'm doing it online. And then Twitter, the same. Yeah. For, 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 for the fight in Germany, when I boxed to Gale in the arena, I sold, like... A thousand tickets that was in Liverpool. The most I'd ever sold before that was probably 400 nod, 300 nod. I fought in Germany against Arthur Raidman for the world title and sold like 600 tickets. Yes. And then for, for the second one, I sold over a thousand. So the most fight tickets I've ever sold in my life was for the fight in Germany. It wasn't even a local fight. So it's, it's like, and that's the power of Twitter, the power of being able to click on my website and just pressing buy and put your card details and you're done. Yeah. And you, you, PayPal, even, you know, you've bought your tickets and they'll get mailed out to you the next day. Yeah. I don't even have to leave the house, you know. Remember the days yourself, you had your dad or someone else doing it for you, or you were doing it just to make sure it was done properly, driving around, delivering tickets to people. Picking, picking 20 quid, 30 quid cash, you're being there for a ticket and you're on maybe a pound or two of that commission. You know, it's like, it's so much easier online and the, the social media, the power of social media, just telling people what you're doing in the gym. Is, is like, people are like, oh, it's great, that. You know, just giving them a little insight. I always wind you up. I do a little video now and then of just being on a speedball, a basic speedball. I'm not even the best at it. I just set the phone up, record it for 30 seconds, put it on yeah. Instagram, speedball today, warm and down. That's it. They haven't seen the pads or the spar and all the hard stuff yeah. or nothing. Just a little warm down. They're like, wow, it's great, that. And it's just giving so, a little bit of something back for someone who's supporting you. Yeah, there's a little video of speedball or here's the lad in the gym today and I'll film quick or someone or the lad and here's, here's yeah. what like in our gym today or every time we come over to see you, mate, you know, the, the Instagram and the Twitter and that goes nuts when we're in LA. Some yeah. people are giving you loads, like, enjoy yourself, get off the phones, but it's like, here's what we're doing and, you know, here's, here's an insight into what we're doing and social media is massive. Yeah, really. Paul, last thing, mate. Last thing, yeah. Let's talk about this this fight, this up and coming fight, mate. Uh, what you? Yeah. I mean, it's a great opportunity, great fight. Uh, Ward's been out for a year and a half now, something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. longer. It's just a massive fight, massive opportunity, and it's one that I'm never ever going to turn down. You know, it, yeah. If you told me I was going to fight for the world title against Abraham and lose, I'd have told you I was going to retire. And I felt like retiring after the first one, only the fact that I felt that I'd done enough and I felt that I proved I belonged at that level, which I don't care what you say, you're off, you have to do it to know, you have to be there to know. And, and, and I always imagined I could, you know, believe I had the potential, but so many people didn't. And I think I proved a lot wrong that night. Yeah. And after the fight, if you told me I was going to lose my world title fight to Arthur Abraham, and then I was going to get a rematch for more money, lose the rematch, and I lost the rematch fair and square. I gave everything I had, but he was better as well. I was better in the first fight, but so was he. And then get a fight with Andre Ward for for more money than that in America, you know, for, it was up until last week or the week before it, it was for the WBA title, but now because there's, he's got a mandatory on him, it's not. So, you know, I thought you were taking the piss and I wouldn't have believed you. 
like telling George Groves you're going to fight Carl Fletcher for a world title, you're going to get stopped, but don't worry, you're going to get two million quid in the rematch in Wembley in front of 80,000 fans. He did laugh at you and told you you were talking bollocks. You know, it's just, it's, the staying the way things work out, but this fight's massive and I'd never say no to it. The, the example I've used is if we were like jockeys and we were all on a set fee to ride any horse, I'd still fight Andre Ward at this stage of my career because I'm not going to get many more chances. Yeah. And you can't turn them down at my age. You know, you said we, we started this stuff today with, with, with the fact that I am getting old, I'm 32, my body's not taking it as well as it used to. And what am I going to do? You know, go and win the, win the British title outright, which I would have done in my, in my next fight. Then knock on Eddie Ian's door and say, Eddie, where's my world title fight? Well, sorry, Paul, you missed the boat. Andy Ward's fighting such and such now. Frotty's retired and the vacant belt's being fought for by Sturm and someone else. Arthur Abraham won't fight it again. And the winner out of the Gale and Darrell has got to fight such and such in a mandatory. So you're stuck, mate. And then I'm stuck at British level fighting for British money and I'm never going to progress or, or get that last chance, which I want. So when he come knocking for that, look, do you wanna, he said to me, do you want to fight Andre Ward? And I asked him, was he serious? And he said, yeah. I said, fucking right to do. They would make exact words and, and I didn't even ask him how much or anything. I just said, fucking right to do. Yeah, why? When? And he said, um, possibly July. I said, well, good, because I need an operation, um, which I'm getting. And then it's not going to be a bad and it's just key old, so it should be okay. Yeah, Sam, let me know what's going on. So he phoned me back about four days later. Listen, mate, this is basically done. What do you want for it? And I said, well, a million quid, and he just started laughing, and uh, he said, well, I've got you this much, that much, you know, nowhere near a million quid, obviously, he, he was laughing because I was taking the piss, and uh, I just said, okay, well, great, and he phoned me back, and he said, right, I've got what we want, it's on this date, it's going to be in Oakland, it's, you've got, like, so many flights, this, that, you know, just the basic details with Japans, all done, mate, yeah, and I went, brilliant, great, and then that was it, I waited, they called the press conference, flew me to New York, and we announced the fight, done. And then just got a barrage of abuse off people for saying, why are you taking the fight? Or, you yeah. know, the worst one about it was, it's not the fact that you've took the fight, it's just that you don't deserve it. And I just thought, oh. who, who does deserve fights? No one else will fight him, for starters. So who deserves a fight at Andre Ward? But it's not the fight that he's saying I don't deserve, it's the payday. And I know it is, and that's the jealousy in people what comes out. Yeah. You, know, you just you don't deserve it. Well, why not? I'm willing to get in the ring and fight him. I'm, I'm willing to put myself through hell for 10 weeks before in a camp, sparring, paying sparring partners to knock the fuck out of me, and, and I don't deserve it. You know, why? Well, who else does? Because no one else wants to fight him, and that's a fact. That's right, man. And I've, I've just booked me tickets next, last week. I'm coming up to some. Ah, brilliant, mate. Yeah. Well, that'd be great. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna be flying to LA first or Santa Monica first, so I'll be in the gym. I'm, I'm coming over with my dad and my brothers, and Joe's gonna follow us over. So I'll be in the gym anyway, and I'll definitely get to see you before. And we, we've got to go up the Monday before the fight, so I'm gonna do a little week of climatizing in, in, in LA in the usual places. Right, right. it'll be great. It'll be great to catch up with you all. So. Oh, nice, nice. Or even me. Well, that was brilliant, and uh, I really appreciate it. And I re wish you're welcome, mate. It's great to uh, great to be on, and good to hear from you again, mate. All right, cheers, Paul. And I'll, I'll speak to you when. Thanks you... very much. See right. you soon, mate. Take care. What a great podcast that was. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Paul Smith is a great lad, as you can tell there. Great personality, uh, great attitude, which I love. 
and I wish him all the best for his up and coming fight against Andre Ward. And you know, I give him a chance to I give him a big chance against it. You know, Andre Ward's been at the ring for a long time. Paul's been busy. He's been constant, which the busy fight is always the best fighter. Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be ringside, cheering him on, wishing him all the best. And I think he's in for a chance. I think uh, people will be surprised. And if you haven't yet, you haven't subscribed to my podcast, please do. If you listen to this on iTunes, subscribe. You'll get the notification every two weeks when I release a podcast uh, on your mobile phone. So subscribe on iTunes and get the, get the updates when I release them. Also, I've got an email list. Uh, it's on TonyJeffries.com if you want to subscribe to that. I talk about happiness, success, networking, that sort of thing. Go to TonyJeffries.com, drop your email in. I will send you an email once a month. And if you haven't listened to other podcasts yet, I've got a bunch of them on, on me account on iTunes, SoundCloud. Please do. And thank you for listening. Any feedback you've got, please tweet me, Tony Jeffrey, Tony underscore Jeffries, and hashtag the boxing life, and I will see them, Instagram, all that. Everything, all right? I'm on it all. I'm on all the social networking, so somehow get in touch and I will reply. All right, well, thanks for listening, and until next time, I will see you later.